It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell. Welcome back to To The Last Drop. This is our podcast. I'm Brendan Nell and with me is Liam Delcom as always. And our special guest today is all the way from a very uh, cold and, and, and dreary Glasgow. I don't know if, if Glasgow ever gets... Uh, Described in the other way, uh, Franco Smith, head of head coach of Glasgow Warriors. Welcome, Franco. Gentlemen, you, know, you only have two type of days: ones where it rain and where, ones where it's going to rain. So, um, as usual, <laughs> a little bit of a wet morning. Franco, I mean, you guys had a tough, tough weekend in the in the Champions Cup. Um, tough start to that. Just your thoughts of what happened there. I mean, we saw the game, but um, just get it from you. Yeah, I think tough result. Um, in the end, I think we. We got better as the game grew. I think we were a little bit shell-shocked in the first 20, 25 minutes especially. I, I thought uh, Northampton did that very well. They they were a very good attacking side. They uh, they asked questions in the right areas and they unsettled us. We were trapped on the back foot. We we kicked poorly in the first half. Couldn't get out of our half. The, the wind was a little bit in our face, but still, I thought the kick chase didn't back the kick uh, clean game up. So... Um, and then after the off-time talk, I thought oh, much better actions. You know, I think at at times we attacked uh, probably the best we've attacked this far in the competition, oh, in the season. And um, uh, there, so there's some art to, to take from that. I think our set piece was unsettled by them. They definitely, you know, might uh, come with a plan to stop the the set piece part more specifically. So yes, I think um, we have our own. Uh, Interspect to do, but I thought they were quite uh, well prepared and obviously a quality side. Uh, it's hard to measure um, the Premiership's quality against the URC and the top 14. So they just from the start made the point. And, you know, it's tough to play us here and they just came with a very good plan. Even if you have a decent run in a competition like the URC, I mean, how much do you have to change or sort of alter your approach uh, in Champions Cup? I mean, do you is, is that something that you have to be aware of all the time or not? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest challenge I think everybody will talk about is to be competitive in both competitions. You got Your squad depth is uh, very important. Obviously, with the Six Nations lurking in the, back in the World Cup, your internationals need to be managed in a specific way. Um, so there's a lot of different challenges just preparing going into this uh, Champions Cup. I thought um, we rotated well going into the into the Champions Cup. Um, so I thought uh, we were best prepared. We had a lot of internationals available for that game. And that does become a little, it's a bit of an execution competition, but it's, it's changed now with a, a little bit or slightly with a, with a new format where it's not so do or die. You can... Um, drop off a game or two in our pool specifically. We, I'm more disappointed that we didn't score the last try because we were one foot out and uh, that would have given us two bonus points, which would put us, placed us still, mm. you know, in a very good contention, which we still are. I think if you get, uh, 13 or between 13 and 15 points, you could, you will go through to the second round in the group. So, your approach obviously is a little bit different than years ago. When I coached in the Heineken Cup years ago, it was cutthroat. You played in your pool and you must basically win all the games in your pool um, mm. get through. Now it's a little bit different seeing that the, it's different teams playing each other and uh, and they sometimes, you know, um, you can have the opportunity by beating somebody that's ahead of you 
which previously was not the case, you know. You want a good run, um, particularly at home. Uh, does it mean that you need to uh, pick up the guys a little bit in terms of uh, morale? Or, you know, how did the guys take that defeat? No, there's uh, the season's divided basically in three compartments. We are still in the, th- in the first part of the three three challenges, that, as, as we put it. Our first challenge will finish now after Christmas, and uh, we, st- we still have the two Edinburgh derbies, which is obviously very important as well. Um, and then after that, we'll assess. And usually, I think you use the first third of the competition to establish yourself or to just to, to, to you know to establish where you are in the competition. The second third is about getting better from where you were. And then the last part, obviously, is execution part. Once the internationals are back from international duty in the Six Nations, um, it's more about an, an execution part with uh, finals lurking and home playoffs and um, all of those challenges becoming even more evident. So it's uh, we just gone in past the first third, I thought we are... From um, from a technical perspective, and our five big rocks, as we speak, um, are properly prepared. I think it's the it's the small things now that needs to um, you know, and the continuity maybe in our game that needs attention. Brian, I was going to ask you. It was an interesting weekend. Um, I think the two things that sort of came out is usually the home home teams in this competition tend to dominate, and we had a couple of interesting results for away teams this weekend. Uh, your next opponent is Bayon, one of them, uh, drawing with Munster. Um, and the, the other thing was the English teams doing so well. The, 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 I'm sort of wondering, do you, do you also feel that they, the fact that they lost two clubs last season, the redistribution of those players, has almost increased their squad depth a bit? Yeah, definitely has an, have, have had an effect, I would think. Um, I think obviously they could still fit a lot, of, a lot more players into their budget because the value of the players obviously naturally got adapted to you know not just to fit this the, the the club's budget but also because there's so many players available um everybody's price dropped a little bit and you can then you know with the same budget have more players in your squad i do think that 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 is a that plays a role um i must say i also find it strange i'm not gonna i will not have the answer now but even connaught losing with 40 points at home um, made it quite interesting. The URC teams yeah. in general were a little bit off it uh, this weekend, which is un uh, unnormal if, if I can put it that way. Usually, the usually in the first part of this competition, the URC teams do really, really well. So it was a little bit of a surprise the results for me. In our specific case, I think we there's enough controllables from our side that wasn't done well. So. Um, I think the outcome could have been different. Um, but yes, again, it, it is evident. That uh, the, the Premiership teams did well, and then obviously the French team. Usually the French teams give the first two rounds, give it a go, and if they see they're in it, they uh, they continue with their best side in it. If they see that they're falling off, they usually play in the second part of the competition, mm. uh, a less competitive team. So, um, but it was, I mean, again, Bayonne's performance against Munster for us is was noticeable. Yeah, well, in fact, in your in your group, all three of the away teams tended to do well. I mean, Bayonne, um, Exeter also went away from home as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be. Hopefully, that's a good sign, Brennan. We're going to Bayonne this weekend. All the, um, obviously, we're going to, you know, give it a full go there again. Have you been there a while now? Um, in terms of our, you know, bedding down the the things that you want to establish at that club, the, the way that you want them to play, the way that, you know, they, you want them to think on the field, that kind of thing. 
Um, how far do you think you're down that road? I mean, how, how satisfied are you with the, the work you've done so far? Yeah, obviously, you know, got a year ago, was it? Um, a lot of the... It's always easy to put the first 80% in place, you know, the, the big things um, and the understanding of what I want is easy. It's the last 20% that's that usually takes a year or more to, to get in place. I think that's where the development and the growth and understanding of how to use your vehicle that you constructed um, obviously becomes more important. I am I'm excited, I think, in the sense that we, we've, we've, we've established a good set piece, we've established a good attacking mindset, which was always part of my DNA. Um, but our defence this season improved enormously. You know, up until the Munster game, we only um, gave away 10 tries. Obviously, um, a little bit of a, where they had the office even there um, a couple of weeks ago regarding that aspect. But but again, the, the building blocks around the defence, the attitude, the physical development, obviously, was one of the things that I leaned yeah. on a bit. Um, we want needed to get more um, powerful, and, and we see a lot of that. And, and, and you know, speed. I think our our training ground um, is nice and fast and rapid, and we get some good uh, speed actions out of them. So, yes, I, we definitely. Um, uh, I think sixty or seventy percent of the stuff that I think that needs to be in place is now in place, and is now building the, the smaller, blo- putting the smaller blocks in place, the mental side of things. Yeah. The, um, you know, the squad depth, the ability to interchange players in various roles and to, without compromising the result, uh, the adding of young Scottish players, because that's obviously the development of young players, I think is a challenge all over the world or the developing of young players. To get that piece of the puzzle built is now some of the next steps needed. Yeah, um, the last time. I remember speaking to you right at the beginning when you got there, um, Frank. And I suppose the, the good, good and bad of it is, is um, you. We were talking quite a bit about your time in Italy at that stage. And if you look at Benetton in particular, have done this season. They've really sort of come into and the stuff you said was going to happen in the next season or two with them has definitely come through. And even um, zebras, I mean, done the, your son plays. I mean, they they they've done a lot better as well, beating the sharks, uh, which I'm sure is a bit bittersweet at times, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, you must be quite happy there if you look back at that at your time there in Italy as well. Oh, well, it does give a little bit of confirmation, you know, of one's vision and uh, of the work put in. Yes, so there is a bit of satisfaction to take out of it. I'm uh, really appreciative, obviously, of everybody buying in there um, and the systems that one could could have played put in place. You know, when I got there as a coach in 2020, it was. I had 28 players to pick from. A lot of them stopped playing. Benetton was, and Zebra didn't win a game um, that whole season. The next season, the only game Zebra won was against Benetton. So it was a difficult uh, environment and therefore the decision to uh, put all these building blocks in place. And now to look back and see that, realizing I definitely still feel uh, Italy is now just going to be, just going to improve. They will have the most caps in 2032 because most of the players that we started off with and that's currently involved and the next prospects are, are still under 21 between under 21 and under 23 they will have three world cups in them and i think um they can improve even more and if the development path is is, is followed and you know I, I hope and i will be encouraged if they you know if they continue down the road developing the players and that's in that way this episode of To The Lost Drop is sponsored by the Listen Audio app, where you can stream all your favorite radio stations. You can catch up on all the latest news, 
and entertainment and dive into captivating podcasts like this one, all in one app. So download Listen, that's L-I-S-T-N, from the App Store or Google Play, the Listen audio app, everywhere you are. Uh, Frank, you touched on it earlier. Um, you mentioned the, the big clash against Edinburgh, the big derby, the uh, 1872 clash. Uh, do you feel there's a bit more spice in it this year, uh, given the, the strong South African influence um, in both camps? No, definitely there will be something special. Um, Sean and I have already um, met up and we've, our eight teams played each other a couple of weeks ago, so we've seen each other and I think I can see that and understand um you know, the way where he's going to come from. And then obviously they've been playing well. They've been doing well as good. As, and, and they've been, um, obviously the Challenge Cup for them is a little bit different. They've got uh, cast at home this week, which, um, you know, they don't have to travel. So, um, yeah, um, it's going to be very, two very good games, I think. And, um, well, we're looking forward to it. Mm. What's different at Cardiff, at, at Cardiff, at Edinburgh this, this year? No, I think they've got definitely a little bit of uh, more resilience about them. I think defensively, specifically, there's a little bit more of intent. I know Sean is a little bit defense-driven anyway. So, um, yeah, and and I just think there were some good coaches there last season, you know, that um, maybe now under different management gets a little bit more access to the players. Um, not that there's criticism on what's happened there before, but always uh, a new group always, you know, uh, sweeps differently then not always clean but sweeps differently and it, it, maybe I think there's a little bit more of contribution and then obviously with the change a lot of buying from the players and uh, so yeah uh, they look physically very very um, very also much better so obviously that was one of the points they wanted to work on as well I was going to say talk about South African influence um, you can't can't ask that question without asking um, the team that everybody watches in in, in, in the URC Leinster uh, Jacques being there, um, somebody you know, you've known for a long, long time. Um, just, uh, can you already see his influence there at, at Leinster? And I know it's early days when he's still settling in, but that was quite an interesting game that they had at La Rochelle this weekend in that horrible rain. Yeah, I think I think that would have suited him down there. You know, that, uh, you know, you don't can't get much wrong um, uh, because of that pressure on the attack. Um, again, you know, I, I definitely feel that you'll see his influence. You'll see the edges, uh, the defense edges, a little bit more high. Um, you'll see the resilience in the in the contact and the ability to go forward and dominate the collisions and how to quickly. You know, make yourself available to, to contribute in the next action. So, yes, I agree. This, um, I haven't had to, uh, to play them already in the first game. Um, Leo and I had that afterwards, and I think that is the main thing for them is to see if they can't get that the defense edges higher, you know, and to see if they can't be a little bit even more resilient. And I think that is going to add a lot of, a lot more value to the, to the already very strong team. Yeah, I was going to say. It does I mean, appear that, that after. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry say, they, they, they already uh, such a team that everybody watches, and even when they don't play well, they tend to win a lot of their games anyway. Um, but I mean, that just makes the challenge greater for a coach. Yeah, of course. Look, look, they've got a great system. You know, they've, they've, they've now their blueprint is already being coached now on the eighteen and the nineteen level in the in the academies there. I think uh, the introduction of new players into their environment is so easy with the you know, players that's been playing for years. 
um, in that environment and some experience that has some experience on international level with various different coaches. You know, I think Joe Schmidt's mark is still there. Um, you know, obviously Lancaster lost, left a big mark on the team there. So now, um, and the continuity and the way um, Leo manages that that group and the buy-in from all the SNC and the academy coaches obviously gives them a very good platform to be more execution-driven in the top end. And, you know, I think every club strives to have that, uh, you know, that kind of look to it. And But it will take time. They it's, it, it took them best of seven years, seven, eight years to get where they are now. And to just add a coach of value at the top end instead of, you know, changing the player mm-hmm. corps is completely a different strategy from where most other clubs sit. Most clubs know that they don't have enough internationals um, or too many. They know that the squad depth is not yet developed and they do not necessarily have the infrastructure to develop young players up to that quality level um, in in time for them to be used at a at a proper age. So, um, so yeah, currently reaping the rewards of years of investment and uh, not just the financial investment, but also um, intellectual investment. And um, uh, that puts them now, makes them obviously now the leaders in, in this, these competitions. Frank, could probably be fair to say that the Springboks, um, probably not the, the world's most popular team after the World Cup. Did you uh, cop any sort of? Um, uh, did you get any negative vibes, you or any other staffers? Um, but you know the the countries from the teams that the box conquered at, at the World Cup. Did you with any sort of negative fallout? No, I definitely felt we had very few friends in the. You know, if I can put it that. Far. I think across the world, you know, it's always it's always the the, the team that's got the target and back. You know, that will be. And most hated. So yeah, I do feel um Sia and obviously um the the, the sense of um you know the reasons why so that the Springboks perform and for the country and and the fact that they you know live with their hearts on their sleeve make them a hard team to hate, you know. So I think they probably not as loved, but they were never hated. And I think um so they still remain popular winners of the World Cup. I was gonna. I was gonna ask because I mean, we, we. I think we asked. We we had Sean on a couple of weeks ago as well uh, when he when he got to Edinburgh and, and asked the, so the same sort of question. Where where did you watch the World Cup final? And um, obviously after that Scotland game, um, there's a lot of your players that were playing there as well. It must have been a bit bittersweet. Although I know, yeah, the Springbok is still very dear, dear to your heart as well. So. Yeah, obviously, um, proud South African, and I was proud to be a part of that uh, environment twice and. Uh, as a player and as a coach, so um, no, I was I, I watched the World Cup final from my lounge by myself. I was actually my family still in was still in South Africa, and they now here for so by myself on, on my couch at home. Um, no special moment uh, for me in that regard, and yeah, I, I think um, although you know I work with a lot of Scottish players, um, it was it's an easy one for me. Um, I wanted obviously South Africa to win and. Uh, um, this, the, the fiction to Scotland is a completely different one and in a different way. It's like my fiction to Italy. It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, um, it's not as loyal as I suppose to South African rugby as I, I, I naturally am. So, yeah, um, proud to coach here and proud to have some players there and have influenced both Italy and Scotland players that's been involved in the World Cup. But obviously, it doesn't change. Um, you know, mm. where it wants our hearts. 
the the um the last sort of question from me as well. This this podcast is called To the Last Drop for a reason. We also discuss um wine at times, mostly wine, but um other other alcoholic beverages at times as well. Um what did you take to celebrate and, and on a night off, what's your what's your what's your uh, poison of note? What do you enjoy enjoy <laughs> having when you have a drink? Yeah, I know I um I like a glass of wine, you know, having uh, having left in Italy. So Prosecco is always always the one that we that, that that I enjoy a lot. You know, I come from the Prosecco region up north in Treviso, and um, so I I've, I I we like to drink that. And then yeah, with a glass of red wine, there's um, obviously some excellent. I've got the the Bayer Bayer Creek built. Um, a couple of them I brought out with me, and there's. Um, I got a friend sent me a bottle of um, NEL signature, but my friends at Lavenier um, Estate is always the guys that look after me all over the world. You know, they've 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 sent some wine, of delivered some wine for me. So yeah, like a glass of red wine. And then from a, from from the Italian perspective, I the, the there's two wines, Amarone. Um, obviously, we all know from the Valpolicella Valley in uh, close to Verona, and then. Obviously, um, around closer to Treviso again, um, there's the Barolo, and uh, so there's some some good wines, and yeah, that's basically where it starts, starts and stops for me. Well done, I think you you very well sorted. Because um, I was going to ask you about wine shops in in Glasgow, <laughs> if they are diamond dozen. <laughs> very expensive, yeah, very expensive. For guys, found the exchange rate makes it hard to buy the bottle that you really want. You know, what kind of there's a difference between what you can, what you want, and what you can afford. Mm. Have like, you taken to whiskey at all? Um, I actually have a friend here, um, Werner Nolte. He's um, he's the head of the Stell um, here in Scotland. Um, so that's the Stell Group. Um, he's or CFO, CEO. Not sure what the title is, but no. Um, he's actually invited me on a whiskey tour now and. You know, go and see how the whiskey route works, and and even here close to to Glasgow, the in the county of Stirling, there's um, there's like some some breweries there to go and have a look, but uh, not really taken to it. You know, I've, I've obviously tasted it, but uh, um, I'm not uh, I'm not can't can't determine myself as a whiskey drink drinker. You know, excuse the pun, but just be careful that you can't spit whiskey. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, I was going to actually say, sorry, when we're talking about wine, Frank, I was going to say, I mean, surely there's some trick you could do with your baggage master to uh, add a little bit of extra uh, boxes to <laughs> come back with you when you come to South Africa. Yeah, the, uh, the problem is we play the lions and the bulls. Oh, so it will not be around the farms around there. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can organize you something around there. I mean, there are factory warehouses. Okay. Norman, good fellas. Uh, Brennan, is that an offer? I'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. I know a couple of winemakers as well. I'm sure we can sort something out. Uh, fantastic. No, no, definitely. I missed a lot of South Africa's, um, so, so a lot of things in South Africa. And you know, the wine there is obviously very popular in this side of the world as well. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To the Last Drop podcast. For the second part of our show, we'll take you to the Pirates Sports Club, in particular the Pirates Rugby Club in Johannesburg, uh, a wonderful sporting institution uh, in Greenside in Johannesburg. And uh, we went to listen to a lunch, uh, well, not listen to the lunch, but a lunchtime talk 
involving Bismarck Duplessis and Yanni Duplessis. Um, the, the Pirates folks are very, very hospitable. And uh, you'll probably pick up from the background sound. It's, uh, you know, it can get a bit raucous, um, <laughs> but, but, very, but very festive as well, Brendan, as you, um, as you found out. Yeah, I, I think Liam's being a bit tad, tad modest. Yeah, Liam, Liam did the interviews with with Yanni and Bismarck for Pirates, and uh, I must admit, the a lot of the stuff that was said was a your typical rugby lunch, which we probably couldn't broadcast. But um, mm, we yeah, we'll have to tiptoe through the minefield here. <laughs> yeah, we managed to get a couple of clips um, that we can, and which will give you a good sense of of how uh, much fun it is. And I, I must say, if you're out there, and you. And you, you do these rugby lunches at some point. Um, these guys, Bismarck and Yanni, are great, great guys to have there. And they stayed for a long mm. time afterwards and interacted with everybody. I was quite impressed with that. Took a lot of selfies with people and really seemed to enjoy themselves mm. at the club. So that, that was, it was mm. good to see. Yeah, they um, they were very generous with their time, uh, with their spirit. Uh, it, it really was a wonderful occasion. And uh, quite a few people came up afterwards and said, one of the better lunches they've had there. But um, you'll be the judge. Um, our debut so in 2007, there was like a Bismarck sitting on the bench, playing against New Zealand in Kingsport. Jack, what's the coach? Uh, Jack, what's your unique man, eh? <laughs> Your next interesting one is not really a euphemism, isn't it? Let's call it unique. So, um, I drove through the night, Friday night, to see my brother make his debut at King's Park. He's, he's a home stadium. All my family throughout the whole country tried to. And supposedly, they play brilliantly. They end, end up losing. Um, on four or five points, which is fucking 50 call. <laughs> and like a pick and go try, and they scored the try, so we lose. But Jake doesn't put Bismarck on the field. That's <laughs> unheard of. So he wants us for like 50 of the fucking Um So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, I mean, we. Now I'm driving back, I've got to be back in hospital with a student there. The Sunday afternoon, Dad calls, listen, you can all pick for the strong side to go and play in Australia and New Zealand. I'm thinking, yeah. This is my John at the university. He's not going to go with me. And I say, well, who made the call? Was it Peter Euston or something? Peter Euston, yeah. But I mean, he speaks in a different English, so I'm thinking he's going to I said, I'm really his game was... You need a special decoder, basically. <laughs> but you must remember, at the time, before I went to Durban, the only English I knew was yes, no, chup and tire, fish and chips, and fuck you. Test match in the dislocated his elbow and training. Now I'm in the starting line. We played against Australia uh, at the Olympic Stadium, 100,000 people, 90,000 people. It was like just after the Olympics. It was um, Stephen Larkham and George Griggs last game in Australia, which I'm, I'm actually quite honored to be able to uh, be part of. But we leave, anyway, I, I don't want to go into the details, I can actually remember that game 
vividly. We need 17 no there you go for it. Uh, Actually, it was an unlikely spin-off team because Jake rested quite a few box. And we, were box called yeah. Yeah. we were called B-side in the media and, and the, I the media <coughs> said, listen, um, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't beat us by 100 points. All time we were leading 17 no. Anyway, so now we make our debut together on the 7th of the 7th of the year 2007. <laughs> um, then, a week later, we played the All Blacks in Christchurch. That was this. Uh, used to be called Jade Stadium then. No, that was great. Well, but now I think it's called Amy Stadium or something. <laughs> um, but Jade Stadium was, was unique. So now I'm just walking myself facing the All Blacks the first time, playing the All Blacks. We both actually had a great game. And I honestly believe that Bismarck, in that game, played himself into the World Cup squad. Because two weeks later, Pierce Fisk got injured um, and they didn't pick a loose forward, they picked him. Um, so we ended up losing 33-6, but 76 minutes, and 76 minutes after, the, I was at the game, so it was, uh, I think after 68, it was 12-6. 68 it was more or less, 10 minutes ago, it was 12-6. So we, we played brilliantly against a great Orlacs. They fixed their works. And this is the Barbie team, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that game actually, firstly, gave us a little bit of hope. Maybe we can make a World Cup side, but I mean, you didn't put your heart on it. But, but, but most importantly that Listen, regardless of what people say, if you go out and give everything, you you can make it. You can you have a chance, yeah. There's fun of comments. This guy's not gonna these guys are not gonna humiliate you. Because they picked their best side and with ten minutes to go, there were six points into the game. And two things happened, other van der Berg had a Gilkov Breiter in the tackle, in Tondra Shalonga, it didn't have scoring. It could have gone the other way. So that game, looking back, gave incredible belief in if you prepare well, and if you, if you really give everything that you have, you can stand toe-to-toe with the A-side of the All Blacks, the best. I mean, Richie played, Dan played, they picked their best, best side, and we, we could hold our own. So, so looking back in our careers, that game was, I uh, um, can't say a turning point, but um, Keith Robinson was a lock. Um, he played for the Chiefs, he was the enforcer, he was a mean guy, he was their boss. And I remember, I remember uh, like, 42 minutes, 44 minutes, just after half time, um, he, I saw his hands were, were closed and I thought, if you enforce it, I mean, prove it, and I, and I, I knocked him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, my heart was <laughs> My knuckle to this day is like, it has a bit of a, 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 a chip, a chip. And then I expected a backlash and I, I expected him to stand up and say, listen, who are you, young man, or who? And I mean, I, I, I knocked him hard and, and he did nothing. And almost like, 
I thought, like, listen, if you fight fire with... If you fight fire with English fire, in you. you have a chance. And, and I mean, looking back at, at my whole career, I, I, I many times look back at that game because the uncertainty and the, and the worry, am I good enough, can I do this, before the game was immense. But after that game, I knew that I knew that on their best day they would beat me convincingly, but they would have to work very, very well for this. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To The Last Drop podcast. For our last part of the show, uh, we're going to do some predictions. It's the Champions Cup Round 2 and Challenge Cup Round 2. We obviously last week had some big games. I think uh, quite surprisingly, seven out of the eight uh, English teams won their games. Not a great weekend for your seaside necessarily, but um, the South African sides, did pretty well. Four out of five, just the Stormers losing, and and losing by a, whisk, a whisker in the end uh, with the second string side. So all around, mm. very interesting, absorbing weekend of rugby. In fact, the other thing, the other big takeout is, I think that English success came almost at the expense of French success because the French teams uh, seem to struggle. I think Toulouse and Bayonne are two exceptions there, but for the rest of them, yeah, not a not a great weekend. Yeah, absorbing game between La Rochelle and Leinster, which Leinster finally broke that duck against La Rochelle, which is huge for them. Uh, but I think the most surprising result for me was Connacht losing at home at the sports ground by 40-odd points to Bayonne. Um, I, I must admit, I didn't see that. So, Yeah, it's uh, difficult to, to make sense of what's happening at Connacht. The, uh, the big difference, of course, uh, on the surface would be the, the change in coaching. Uh, Andy Friend uh, left the, the head coaching job at the end of last season. He went off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to exactly sort of put your finger on, on, you know, what's gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been doing pretty well in URC. I mean, they've had a pretty decent run in URC. They're in the top eight. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it was totally unexpected. But, um, yeah, and the sports ground, no South African team has ever won there. So to see another side, mm. Uh, so far, I think was the surprising thing. Uh, Bulls against Saracens, I think the Bulls should be pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, even though they didn't get the bonus point, they scored six tries, played some amazing rugby. And yeah, if, the, if that's the Bulls' um, yeah, the way they're going to play in this Champions Cup, I think they're going to surprise a few people, at least at Loftus. The key for them is going to be mm. winning a moment. They've got a tough, tough game at Lyon this weekend as well. But let's get into the mm. predictions. Um, yeah, it's no use looking back. We've got to look for it. So, uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the round opens on Friday with two games. Uh, Glasgow Warriors against Bayonne, which you've heard Franco Smith speak about a bit earlier uh, in the, this podcast, and Northampton Saints against Toulon. Um, where do you see those going? Well, I think, uh, and it's probably going to sound like a bit of South African bias, but uh, I think Glasgow Warriors at home, uh, will be a very hard nut to, uh, to crack. Um, I think they've got enough going for them. Uh, they've had a one, a couple of setbacks, but I think, um, what they've taken out of it, uh, they will apply. And I think, uh, this is one of those weekends where, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a, a must win for them. Not quite, but it's almost a must win. So, um, I think they'll pull through. Except that they're playing at Stade Jean de in Bayonne. So. Oh dear. Oh, it's the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. It's one of those things. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, they, they lost at home last week. So, so this, you're right. Franco said it was a must win, and they're going to be putting everything into this game. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Bayern did, because as I say, they surprised us there. Me, uh, Northampton winning at uh, Glasgow last, and Toulon losing to Exeter. Um, Northampton being at home, you'd probably favour them by about five points as such. Um, I don't know if you disagree. Then we look at Saturday's games. Big one at Cape Town Stadium. Mm. Started Rochelle, La Rochelle, against the DHL Stormers. Uh, John Dobson's put, left a lot of guys at home for this one. Um, mm. Being ready for this. This is their big test. Uh, and playing at home, the, the difficulty as we find in this competition is just how, how the French sides take this competition. Because they sometimes, Papillon mm. sent five under 19s in their, in their starting lineup against the Sharks last week. Uh, yeah, you, you never know whether they're taking it seriously or not. Yeah, the the it is a massive test for for the Stormers. Um, I think two teams that are I think fairly well matched in in, in certain areas. Um, and I, I think if you if you take into account that La Rochelle uh, dropped points at home last week, uh, albeit against Leinster, uh, I think this this game uh, takes on a, a greater significance for them because. Uh, as you said earlier, while they might have been tempted to rest one or two guys uh, for this game, for the trip to Cape Town, they now suddenly um, in a position where they probably have to win this one. So um, they will, yeah, they will have to take the big guns. And um, look, I mean, that will only, uh, you know, add to the sense of occasion. I, I really think this is one of those cracker uh, uh, matches in the in the pool stages of the competition. So um, I think a tough one to call, but. Uh, I'm going to go with the Stormers uh, purely. Well, it's the home ground advantage, obviously. Um, and I know La Rochelle will be smarting from from last weekend's match, but I think that also would have taken quite a bit out of them. So I'm going to go back to the well with the Stormers uh, by a few points. Yeah, uh, to me, I'd probably also go with the Stormers. I, they've got to hit form sometime. They haven't played at Cape Town Stadium. They've got the new pitch. Mm. Um, I think just the the that'll add to the exuberance as such. Um, and I think making the whole trip from Northern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere um, has an mm. effect as well. So I think that would, but it's going to be, that's the cracker game this weekend. Um, in fact, mm. of all the games, if you can get down to the stadium, I think the Stormers deserve your support there. So please do. Um, and then, yeah, the other two guys that are still on Saturday in the same pool as the Bulls, Saracens come up against Connacht and Bordeaux play Bristol. Bordeaux and Bristol both won their open game. So that's going to be a very interesting playing at Bordeaux and Saracens playing at home. I think I'd show Saracens should win that one at home, I reckon. They'll also be smarting from their loss. Yeah, I'll go with you there. Uh, I think they'll win uh, probably in the end fairly comfortably. Yeah. And the other one's a bit hard to call, but you'd probably go for Bordeaux being at home again against Bristol. Bristol had a great win as well. So, um, it's, mm. It is a difficult one to call that Bre- one. Bre- Bristol's one of those sides that can turn up and make life very uncomfortable. They also have a, a, a style of play where they, you know, they don't they don't mind taking the dog off the leash. So um, I, I think either way, it'll be it'll be a fairly tight one. But I will have to favour the home side. It was a, a, quite a bizarre game that Bristol Leon game because Bristol were up by twenty odd points. Leon stormed back and were leading, and then Bristol came back at the end to win it. So it was a great game to watch. But yeah, at this stage of week one, it's always difficult to tell. You yeah. know, it's, 
who's who's exactly in form and who's not and who's taking the competition seriously. So, um, yeah, obviously it brings the Bulls to Leon, uh, and uh, they they went down quite badly. I think it was 31-7 last year. They weren't ever in that game, and the, the scoreline could have been much bigger last year. They're a year older, a year wiser. They're sending a very different team this year as well. So, um, and and quite interestingly, a start for Henry Immelman, the, his first start for the Bulls as well, when they named their team on Friday. And uh, Marcel Couture will be on that squad as well, but it's a tough task for the Bulls to go win there. Mm. Well, I suppose the uh, one would be able to sort of glean a little bit more once you see, you know, the the starting lineup that they put out for that game. And how it differs, uh, you know, how many names differ from the one they put out against Saracens. Um, yeah, look, the travel factor there again, uh, you, you can't, you can't wish it away. And if you think back to last year, um, that, that was a very awkward trip for the Bulls. But as you said, I mean, you make a good point. I mean, they are uh, a year older, a year wiser, hopefully. Um, so it certainly won't be as one-sided as it was last year. I mean, we can, we can say that with sort of a fair amount of assurity. Okay. Um, I, I, you know what? It, I'm going to go the Bulls. Uh, look, I mean, I think I think the Lions showed last week um, in the Challenge Cup that if you do play sort of test match rugby, and South African sides love playing that sort of rugby. Mm. Um, it was quite funny when, when Ricardo Lopesha was asked about somebody, one of the journalists said to him, are you going to continue playing ugly rugby? And he said, it's winning rugby, not ugly rugby. And I think if you allow... Sounded like Jake White there when he said that, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I can see the balls reverting to very... Yeah, structured percentages game plan in that as well. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they do. I'm I'm obviously hoping for that, uh, for the Bulls win there, but uh, yeah, also the African teams, but it's going to be a tough one for them. Uh, after that is another big game for the weekend, Sale Sharks against Leinster in Dublin. Well, I think most teams going to Dublin and face Leinster uh, know the magnitude of the task facing them. So... Um, uh, sales also, you look at, uh, they're, they're tough customers. Uh, they don't yeah. go away easily. Um, so I think there will be a game, a proper contest for probably 60, 65 minutes, but, uh, you know, Leinster will pull through, uh, of yeah. that I have no doubt. At the, the cow patch, anyone who's been for RDS knows it's, uh, it reminds me of, I'm very, I'm not a big fan of the RDS arena. It reminds me of, mm. you remember the Rand show with the, the cow paddocks around? <laughs> very yeah. much of that yeah, type yeah. of feel. Cause it's the showground. So, I mean, in yeah. fact, in fact, similar to uh, the ground in Christchurch as well, after they had yeah. to vacate Jade Stadium, also agricultural uh, showgrounds, and the, uh, I know that the change rooms are quite a distance from the actual pitch, and you <laughs> you, never, you never know what you're going to step into. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I mean, the one the RDS, hopefully you don't step into those things, but uh, you find some of that uh, when you play Leinster anyway, apparently. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you'll take Leinster to take that one. Uh, Cardiff have, have a home game against Bath. Uh, Cardiff had that horrible trip to Toulouse. I mean, you really felt for them. Um, you know, going there. Well. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I'm being nice now. It's Christmas, Liam. It's Christmas. So, um, but Bath and the Johan van Kran has really shown some good form and they're, and, and they're really on the high at the moment and, mm. um, beat Ulster quite, quite easily last weekend as well. So, um, uh, with Finn Russell there, I can't see Cardiff actually holding them up. I think Bath's going to come away with a good victory there. I tend to agree with you. Bath seems to be one of the sort of happening clubs at the moment. 
Um, and uh, I think with Cardiff, uh, they've been difficult to predict. I mean, a couple of good wins, they, they beat the Sharks, uh, but they've been very up and down. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to sort of uh, put your finger on them in terms of, uh, you know, form and, and consistency. So uh, I, I'm happy to go with you there. I think Bath, uh, not firm favourites, but certainly favourites. Yeah, I think Cardiff's depth when it comes to the two competitions probably catches them at the end. Mm. It seems to be a general yes. thing in Welsh rugby at the moment as well. Uh, going to run through the last couple because there's still the Challenge Cup as well. Ulster hosting Racing, uh, Exeter hosting Munster, also a big game, and Harlequins hosting Toulouse. Um, those, and then the last one, Stade Francais, Leicester Tigers. All huge games. Um, oh, that's a tasty one, isn't it? I tell you what, if Leicester plays uh, and are as uh, switched off for a lot, large part of the game as they were last week, uh, then I fancy uh, b- b- start Francais. So, um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the with home side there. Yeah. Just the one before, Carlos Quinn's to lose. Sure, that's a, another appetizing one. Harlequins played some amazing rugby. Yeah, I think it's one of it's one of those ones where it, it really is up to the um, appetite of Toulouse. I mean, if they, you know, if they deploy their big guns and identify a game, that's that's they're, they're hard to stop, even on the road. Um, so I think that's certainly one. Uh, if you can have a bit of a punt, have a look at the you know starting fifteen or match match day twenty three. Um, I'll I'll go Toulouse. Exeter Munster, Munster with disappointing last week, Drew. Um, mm. Exeter won, so, and playing in Exeter, it's not that, I don't think it scares Munster, but Munster are going to have to find some form because they, I think they mm. let themselves down a bit last week. So. Mm. Munster also, but inconsistent. And, you know, if you're inconsistent and you go to Exeter, uh, you're mm. going to struggle. So I'm going to go Exeter. Ulster Racing, um, to me, depends on what team racing picks again. But if mm. Racing picks a good team, it's going to be a good contest. They could come away with a win. If they don't pick their starters, um, I think Ulster's got that one. So also, also a team. Actually, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I mean, normally you'd say it's, it's definitely a, a win in Belfast for Ulster. Uh, but I mean, the, the, the Kingspan hasn't been the fortress that, you know, it has been in previous seasons. Uh, so I'll just leave the door a little ajar. I, I, I still think they'll win. I think, I still think yeah. Ulster will win. I'm going to quickly run through because there's a bunch of um, uh, Challenge Cup uh, ones. So I'm just going to do a quick fire. It's oh, going to be yeah. It's going to be one line. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Scarlets, Georgia's Black Lions. Uh, probably Scarlets. I think I'm going to go for the Black Lions. I think they've got something in them, especially when they like beating <laughs> Wales Welsh teams. So uh, Gloucester, <laughs> okay. Claremore, and Gloucester. Uh, uh, Gloucester, Claremore. Uh, I'd go Gloucester only because Claremont went on the road. They, yeah, there's a yeah. huge difference between Claremont at home and them on the road. Another one that really doesn't whet the appetite Oyanax, uh, if I'm saying that right, and Zebra. Oh, toss of a coin, really. Uh, zebra. Yeah, both aren't doing great. Uh, Edinburgh, Cust. Mm. Oh, I'm going to go Edinburgh. Yeah, same Edinburgh, yeah. Benetton, uh, USAP's Papillon. I think Benetton definitely. Uh, Benetton should have that. I mean, Jesus, yeah. so there are so many pointers in their favour there, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Emirates Lions, Newcastle Falcons at Ellis Park. Definitely Emirates Lions for me. So by, probably by about Yeah, 20. I mean, the, the Falcons are on a very low ebb on and off the field. So, yeah. Lions. And then another one that's really going to get you to the TV, power against the Dragons. <laughs> oh, like, oh, like, oh. Who's, who's going to be the best of the two bad teams? I don't know. Um, it's one of those where you're going to say, you know what, home ground advantage to count for something. It's got to count. I don't know if it doesn't count for something, power's really in trouble. Um, then Sunday, the big game, uh, well, when I said the big game, uh, there's only two games on Sunday. The first, Montpellier hosting Ospreys. I think Montpellier will probably take it, even though they're not a great Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. yeah they, they're struggling in the top 14, but yeah, you'd, you'd think that they'll have enough there. And then the, the, the big one, the Toyota Cheetahs against the Hollywood Bet Shops. Yes, uh, a tasty one, that. Um, boof. Again, it's interesting to see what the Sharks put out uh, for that game. Um, look, I mean, they, they still they still sort of need to get to a, a point where th- there is consistency in selection, consistency in, in performance. So you would think that, you know, the coaches would settle on a combination that that they can play for a few weeks and they can mm-hmm. settle and they can bed down certain systems. So um, let's go on the presumption they'll pick their best uh, 23 uh, or what they deem to be their best 23. Um, and in that case... Uh, I would go with the Sharks. But anything short of that, I think the Cheetahs will take them. Mm. I, th- I think uh, I was chatting at Loftus at the practice yesterday to one of the um, uh, a former Free State fly-off, and people might be able to work out who that is, <coughs> who's involved with the Bulls nowadays. Um, and he, he was saying to me that one of the things that troubles him about the Sharks, and we are just chatting, it's just banter on the side of the field. And he was saying is that in his time, you could always know what the DNA was of every team. And he says, when he looks at the Sharks at the moment, they look like a team that's not sure of their own DNA. Um, so mm. with the Springboks, I would say the Sharks, if the Springboks all perform, uh, if Lucanio and Eben are playing and they and they inform, I think you probably see a Sharks victory. But if the Sharks are going to come with the same sort of, sort of game plan as they did at the Loftus a couple of weeks ago, the Cheetahs have got a very good chance. Mm. Yeah, they they certainly can't afford to be off their game, and if they are, they it shouldn't be, uh, it can't be by much because the cheaters will be. And saying that, uh, I think that's all we've got time for this week. It's been a it's been an interesting one. Getting closer to Christmas, um, make sure that you've got your stockings filled, and uh, hopefully uh, join us with a with a glass of wine next week when uh, we have our uh, well second last show for the year. Uh, should be quite fun. Yeah, you go for the full stockings. Uh, yeah, I prefer Santa's bulging sack. Um, I think that's probably a better description for this year because we need we all need a bit of a cheer, don't we? I think we all do need something to cheer, cheer us up. So on that note, I think let's leave it there. Uh, chat to you guys next week. Cheers. Ciao. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.